Hey, teachers. This episode is sponsored by Spaces Digital Portfolios. Spaces makes student growth in your classroom come to life with their free visual portfolio tool. Teachers can create spaces for their entire classroom, student groups, or for individual students, all online and completely free. Celebrate student learning and give parents a window into your classroom. Try Spaces at www.spacesedu.com today. Uh, is this the teacher hotline? Hello, teachers. Welcome back to the Teacher Hotline. My name is Ronald Hay, where we try to answer some of the most pressing questions for teachers in and outside of the classroom. On today's episode, our question comes from Julia from the Limestone District School Board. Julia, what can we do for you? Hey, Ron. So I've been a teacher for 15 years now, and I'm at the point in my career where I'm looking for a new challenge. I'm debating if I want to make a move into admin, teach at the post-secondary level, or maybe even work at the Ministry of Education doing curriculum design. I know I don't need further education for some roles, but I'm wondering if getting an M.Ed. or a Ph.D. might open up some doors down the road. I don't mind the extra schooling, so I'm wondering if you know of other teachers who have gone back to school and why they did it. If people are okay sharing, how much did it cost to get the degree? I'd love to know where they are now and if they think it's worth it. Thanks. Thank you, Julia, for that amazing question. So today I actually brought on a few guests to give you some variety and different opinion. So our first guest on the show, I actually have Celeste Kirsch, a middle school humanities teacher from Toronto. Celeste has been teaching for 11 years now and is about to pursue her PhD in curriculum, teaching, and learning at the University of Toronto in the fall. She hopes to focus her studies in researching writing and civic engagement. And she actually has this incredible podcast called Teaching Tomorrow, which, of course, you can check out on Apple, Spotify, and all other streaming services. So, Celeste, welcome to the Teacher Hotline. Thank you for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Celeste, my first question for you is, why in the world would you want to do this? This sounds like torture. Yeah, it's what my uh, my in-laws wanted to know as well. And we had to make them a very detailed slideshow presentation to explain why we are doing this, my family. Because um, it's not just a decision that implicates me. It's a decision that implicates my wife, my children, the next four plus years. Um, it's a really good question. And I think the easiest way to say it is that I've always wanted to do a PhD. When I, so I have a drama degree, my undergrad, I took three years off and I wanted to go to grad school and I applied to all these like very fancy grad schools in the States and overseas. And I got rejected from all of them. And then I became a yoga teacher and I kind of just like waffled around for a little bit. And then I did my master's of teaching degree because I was like, okay, everything that I'm doing in life, I just teach it. So I might as well just become a teacher. Um, But I always knew that I wanted to do grad school. So I felt like there was two options on my, you know, plate at that point. I could either do a B.Ed. or a master's of teaching degree at OISE, U of T. 
And I went for the MT degree, which was a year longer, but I got to do research while I learned how to become a teacher. So it was like initial teacher certification plus research. And I loved the research. It was the best. I got to write like a huge dissertation. We called it a major research paper. And I got to study spoken word poetry and how people use that in the classroom. And I would just like geek out on literature review writing and interviewing people. I got to call up like famous poets and talk to them about their process. And writing that MRP was one of the happiest times of my life. And most people do not say that. And I was, you know, on vacation with my wife and we were poolside and I was writing my dissertation. And I literally, that's like a dream come true to be by a pool and writing and reading very intensely. So became a teacher, uh, love every moment of that experience, paid off all my debt, which was a lot of debt, bought a house, had two kids, lived life, started a podcast. And as you know, by starting a podcast, you're like researching, you're interviewing, you're, you know, nerding out on just learning. And that's the thing that's been the through line for all my life. So once I had my second kid, I knew I I can like focus on me. My wife and I knew there were no more babies. There were no accidents in my family because there's just two women. So we were very super clear that there were no more children happening. And I was on maternity leave and I just started getting, you know, like you get those like emails from your alma mater. They're like, hey, here's a potluck or hey, well, not now, but hey, here's a Zoom event. And I started actually reading the emails that were saying, hey, apply to grad school. And it just like a seed started getting planted. And I, I know that I was able to think about it more because I wasn't teaching this fall. So I had my baby last April and I was on a maternity leave until December. And it was in that like early November time where I'm not in trauma mode after having a newborn. I'm like loving my life. My kid, my older child is at school. I have time in the day to kind of like walk and think. And I just started picturing myself in the fall, starting my PhD. Cause it's something that I've wanted to do forever. And I like hustled and applied really, really fast. And I found out in March to my surprise that I got in, I did not like, ex- you know, when you do those things in life and you're like, I'm just going to put in the application and see what happens and not actually think about the next steps of it. So for many months, I was just like, Oh, I'll think about that later. I'll think about that later. And then when I got the email that said I got in, I swore very loudly. Like I just dropped the F-bomb because I like the first thing I thought it was like, I have to do this now. Like I, this isn't just a dream that I have of like one day I'll do a PhD. It's like a lot of us are like, one day I'll write a book. One day I'll go on vacation there. And that like one day all of a sudden became super real. Um, so one of the benefits of being on maternity leave is that you figure out how to exist with way less money. Um, in Canada, we're really lucky that we can have uh, parental leave for up to 18 months and still get money from the government, but it's not very much. So a teaching salary is like, you know, I've been teaching for 11 years, so it's over $100,000 now. Really nice to live off of that kind of money. My wife is a psychotherapist. She makes reasonable money as well. Um, but on maternity leave, it's like not that much. I can't, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like less than $30,000 a year with a Canadian maternity leave. So we discovered that we can pay our mortgage. We can have groceries. We can have wine. We can send our, you know, 
Amazon bills through and like we can live off of way, 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 way less. So having that experience made me realize, oh, I I could live in a more simple way for longer and do the PhD. Well, that was actually going to be one of my next questions, Celeste. You kind of beat me to it was that <laughs> it sounded like the you were going to do this full time. This is not a part time gig that you're doing. So you're going to be sacrificing half the family income. So how did you pitch this to your wife in terms of this is a great <laughs> idea. Let's lose half our money. I'm going to go back to school. She must have been like, all right, hold on. Let's think about this for a moment. What was that conversation like with your partner? Because you're right. like This is not a you decision. This is a us decision. Yeah, she was not happy with me. And I know that she will <laughs> listen to this because she listens to everything that I do, but she was not impressed. Um, it's a huge sacrifice. And there's a, I mean, there's a lot that we figured out how to do without because of COVID. You know, we're not missing out on any family vacations and we're not missing out on huge renos because lumber is crazy expensive. So I think that after the dust settled and she kind of realized that this is something that I really, really want. I sat down and I made a budget for us as a family. And I just said, okay, like we can afford daycare for our youngest child. We can afford the same kind of life that we've been living right now. Um, And we have the benefit of being able to take out loans. And we have this amazing privilege of her family that is like beyond supportive of us. And we live in a country where I can take out OSAP and I can use that as, you know, a bit of a cushion for when our roof needs to be redone and we have to like tap into another account to make those kinds of ends meet. For me, when I was, you know, actually before I hit the accept button and I was deciding, should I do this? Like, is this really worth this kind of financial sacrifice? Um, I realized that the only really good reason I had for not doing it is because I'm afraid of the money and I'm afraid of not having money for a few years. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that for a moment because that's a big concern, not just for you, but for literally anyone going into to grad school is the money, right? How much is this going to cost? So if you don't mind me asking, like what type of investment is this for for a grad school (laughs) program like this? Yeah, you're such a business person. I love that you're asking that question. (laughs) So you can look at it from many different ways. Like I, I probably could make more money with a PhD, but that's not guaranteed. It's not like doing an MBA. Ultimately, I feel like it's more of an investment in myself than it is in the financial gains. I might not make more money than what I went into as a tenured teacher in middle school. I might not make that back. But I know that if I didn't do it, I would regret this for my entire life. And I know that I feel like, you know, since I started my podcast, I've had this like hunger for something bigger. And I love being a classroom teacher, but I think that it's like people who take time off to write a book. That's essentially what I'm doing. I'm writing a really, really long, hopefully not boring, but perhaps boring book. Um, It's worth it because... I want to look back on my life and see that I did something worthwhile with my time and with my money. And for me, the finances are nice, but I'm more excited about deepening my own potential as an educator and contributing to a wider audience in education. Um, So, you know, like I think my in-laws really wanted to know like how much exactly could you make with a PhD? Um, And, you know, like professors don't make a ton more than 
uh, tenured teachers in the public system in Canada. It's not like three times as much. It's a little bit more, but it's not that much. And it's not that much more than an administrator could make. And I could definitely do consulting or admin work without a PhD. I just really want to pursue the research. And I just really want to have the privilege of studying something intensely for four years. So I think that, you know, for any advice, like I I haven't done it. So call me up in four years, four plus years and see how I feel. But I, I think that if anyone's wondering if it's worth it, the qualifications I don't think will ever be worth it. I think that it's worth it because you have done something of value with your life, your time and your money. Um, It's like, if you're a marathon runner, no one runs a marathon because they think they're going to win it. Or they think that they're going to like, you know, lose weight or reach something really important. You do a marathon because you can, and because you want to find out what it's like. And I think a PhD is sort of like that. It's not, it's not going to be worth it. If I, I'm just thinking about it from a financial perspective. Wow. You know what? You're, every time I speak to someone with a PhD, it, the answer always sounds the same, just worded differently. I want to th- perhaps pursue a PhD in marketing years and years ago. I was teaching at Western, and I was just loving teaching at the post-secondary level. And because I didn't have my PhD, my contract was going to end after my second year. So I started looking into how do I stick around? And everyone said, I need to get a PhD. And I spoke to a couple of, uh, of marketing profs and they said to me, Ron, you know, if you just want to teach, go to the high school level. Because if you teach at the secondary level and you want to get a PhD, you know, teaching is almost like a side gig. It's almost like this extra stuff that you have to do. It's the research that you have to love day in and day out. And whatever it is that you're researching, that's, that's going to be your baby for the rest of your life. And at that moment, it clicked into me that, oh, man, I don't know if I love something that much to want to study it for that many years. But just talking to you in the last 10 minutes, it sounds like you just love research. You love, love just pushing your intellectual boundaries and seeing where that takes you. Am I correct? Yeah, I think the whole reason why I became a teacher was because I really love learning. And sometimes the things that teachers have to do really get in the way of teachers learning. And so... You know, if you didn't have to write report cards, if you didn't have to prep lessons, if you didn't have to respond to all those emails, you could just really get into teaching. I think that would be the perfect profession um, and learn and be able to explore something in depth, uh, which is, I think, a huge reason why I want to do the PhD, to really pursue learning in a very aggressive way. Right. Now, if you don't mind me asking, like how, and I'm sure this is all over the websites I like U of T and whatnot, but how much like one year costs or like a four year program at Oasey costs for a, a PhD like this? Or does it depend on what type of PhD that you're getting? Yeah, it does depend. Um, in my program, if you're full time or they call it flex time, which means you can have a full time job while you're in school, um, it's about $8,000 a year for tuition. And then well, that's not that bad. That no, actually it's not that bad. Cheaper than I in- expected it to be, to be honest with you. Totally. And if you're doing flex time, you know, a lot of people will do full time teaching load and then they'll, you know, pay the eight grand and then take courses and do their research all kind of in the background of their teaching job. I knew for myself that I would probably have a 
heart attack if I tried to do that with two children, a wife, a job, and then to try to put the PhD on top of all that, I just felt like the stress would be significant. So in the full-time option at OISE in my department, it's fully funded, which means that they give you a little bit of money, which covers tuition, which covers some living expenses. And then in exchange, you do some research work and you kind of like contribute to the life of the university. So I'm on a research team for next year and I will be contributing and learning as I explore a professor's research. Um, And then I take classes, but I don't pay for it. I get a little bit of money from the university to, to do that work. That's incredible. Yeah. It's like a very weird internship. I wouldn't say weird, but it's, it's like a paid internship essentially. Yeah. Right, right, right. Cause you're, yeah, you're essentially providing work and doing work for the university. Yeah. They're paying you very much less than what I get paid normally. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, and that's the other part of it is that as a working parent, and as somebody who is accustomed to a certain kind of paycheck. I mean, I should I should preface all this with like, you know, I grew up in a really lower class background. And so the ability to like own my house and have a car and pay my bills on time, like all of that I really highly value. Like I really want to have a paycheck to be able to support my family. And that's a very big deal for me. So I am very highly motivated to finish my PhD as fast as makes sense and as fast as I can while still maintaining the integrity of what I'm researching. So I have funding for four years, which means I am going to finish this thing in four years. I have some friends who did a PhD and they're like, oh, I did mine in like four and a half years and everything about my research fell apart. I had to start from scratch. I, you know, like my house caught on fire. I got broken up with three times. I had to go and get a surgery. And even then I finished it in five years. So I'm like, okay, so maybe I could do it in less than four years. Um, (laughs) I'm very, I'm pretty organized. And I think that, you know, I'm almost 40. I feel like at this stage of life, you just, you know what you want. You can get stuff done, you know, like the same, like mamas get stuff done. So I'm pretty confident that I'm going to figure out a way to make it make sense for me so that I can go back into the workforce at some point. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Celeste, for coming on and sharing your experiences before going into your program at U of T. Best of luck. I guess we won't be talking to you for the next four years of your life. <laughs> well, I mean, with the Teaching Tomorrow podcast, which I've had you on, and it's a pleasure to get to talk to you, I I hope to be able to document some of this because you know it feels a little bit like a black box. Like You go in, and then magically you come out, and you're a doctor, and you somehow are better than you were before? I don't know. But I would like to document this in some shape or capacity in that form. So I will I will share stuff out in that mode. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Celeste, thank you so much and the best of luck uh, this coming September uh, on your uh, pursuit of more knowledge. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to chat. So our second guest is going to be Dr. Sarah Morrison. Sarah Morrison has been a teacher for almost 19 years and she's a vocal music teacher at Appleby College. She is currently the Director of Learning, Teaching, and Research at our school and will be our incoming Assistant Head of Academics in the upcoming school year. Dr. Morrison received her B.Ed., Master's, and Ph.D. all from the University of Toronto. And in 2018, she completed her Ph.D. in Curriculum, Teaching, and Learning. And her dissertation was on Engaging Student Singers, Developing Reflection and Collaboration in a Technology-Enhanced Learning Environment. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ron. It's awesome to be here. Really excited. 
So let's jump straight into the question that Julia has for us uh, about getting higher education. So let's talk about your PhD more specifically. I, I, I read out your dissertation, Engaging Student Singers, very long and fancy title. Uh, what exactly did you study over the last couple of years there? That's interesting. Uh, yes, it was a long and fancy title. And it's sort of people to have you, can you say your dissertation as like an elevator pitch in like, you know, two minutes or less, there's these competitions. And I probably couldn't do that to this day. But I was looking really a lot at student learning, being interested in pedagogy and the relationship between teaching and learning. And in music, it was funny because YouTube, you know, came about in 2005. And for me, that's been a game changer in how I think people engage with music, how, you know, how I teach music, how everything. So that happened in 2005. Then I started the dissertation in, or the PhD in 2009. And I was just noticing sort of how students engaged with technology in the music classroom and how it actually, whether we're doing it outside of the classroom, inside of the classroom, self-taught things like garage bands, how it really, in my opinion, made music uh, richer and more exciting as a teacher. And my shifting role from like needing to know everything <laughs> to being a facilitator of learning. So there was a lot kind of <laughs> in my head, you could say, and I'm a really curious person by nature. So I really just wanted to study learning and technology in some capacity. So how long did it take you to complete this degree then? It took me five years. Uh, I've, I've officially defended in December 2014. Five years. Okay. But that's still a long time of your, of your life. And you... It sounded like you were also teaching at the same time, right? Like you, you weren't doing this full time, were you? I did not. No, I, I was teaching. And what was cool for me, um, you know, as a teacher, as a learner, was the teaching and my learning really were working side by side to, I would say, make me a better teacher and keep me curious and engaged in, in what was going on in the classroom pedagogically. Still to this day, I love to research because of that very thing. But absolutely, uh, there were also a couple mat leaves in there. <laughs> so that... <laughs> Yeah, it was a busy time of life, but I feel like, like anything in life, for me anyways, I've been very, you know, fortunate and privileged to have the support to do these kinds of things, but there's never going to be this good time or like, oh, I'm going to, going to wait on that till, till I'm, till I have the time. So I, I just plunged in and uh, certainly there are sacrifices. I mean, anyone who's done the PhD will have to tell you that I probably can't name a lot of shows between <laughs> 2009 and 2014, because you have to give somewhere like you have to spend your time engaged in the literature, doing the research, doing the writing. But for me, I, I really do. This sounds so nerdy. I really derive joy and fulfillment from reading, from research, from writing. And uh, so that was a nice distraction from other parts of my life and also working sort of in symmetry with other parts, if that makes any sense, like the like the teaching. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, there were a lot of good shows that you missed out on then between 2009 <laughs> and 2000. I'm getting them now. Breaking Bad. <laughs> you got to catch up. Breaking Bad. You got to go back and watch all those shows you know in those what? five Pandemic years. Pandemic is helping me, Ron, to really catch up on all that missed TV. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned that um, you you had a lot of, I don't say trouble, but like you, you had to balance a lot of those things, right? You said you went on mat leave. You were teaching. Um you had a family too to take care of. How in the world do you do it? And could you have theoretically completed the PhD sooner if 
you didn't, let's say, do it part time or you didn't go on those mat leaves? I guess um, I'll never know. And and I know um, a lot of people who do the PhD full time are also juggling things like teaching like at the university often they have ta roles and other means of sort of financing i've never met anyone who's just like i'm just doing my phd like even folks i met who are doing it full time we're juggling a lot so whether there's kids in the mix or not i'm lucky to have a very supportive partner we support each other's careers and certainly um it wasn't like a solo act <laughs> there's lots of people in my village of of uh, people who are you know supporting me supporting my family but it was a busy time but it was also an exciting time and i think uh, yeah, it was just, there is an end point. Like I remember my supervisor, uh, the amazing, um, Dr. Jim Slotta at OISE sort of like being like, this is not your only one life work. Like with the PhD at some point you just, you need to finish. So it was really great having his really at times pragmatic approach to it, to not make it this big thing. Like it has to be perfect. Or I I have to find this. You're going to go down the rabbit hole of research and there's more and more and more and more. You're going to want to know and new stuff coming out all the time. But at some point you have to stop and you have to finish and say, okay, this is excellent. And I'm sure, you know, in, in five years, like six years, we're looking back now at 2015. Yeah. There is more research that I would update if I was publishing parts of it, but that's okay. It's kind of a, it's a moment in time of research that I was engaged in, and I'm certainly proud of it. Speaking of research, I know you're also a professor at Queen's University in their education program. So I'm actually really curious to know, how does that job actually work? Because you work at our school full-time. So how do you fit that in, and what are some of those responsibilities? Yes, I am an adjunct. Uh, I often pick up a summer course because things are a little too busy during the the school year for for that. But yeah, for the past five years, I've taught in their PME, Professional Masters of Education program, which is an online program. It's outstanding. I love, uh, I have loved teaching in that program. And for my full, full like life fulfillment job, I really just love working with adolescents. Um, I find that pocket that we work with, the grade seven to 12, just a really foundational time in their development, uh, in their identity building, in their, I don't know, curiosity and passion for learning. So that really fulfills me um, in in life. And I'm excited now, as you mentioned at the start, to, to foray into sort of different leadership pathways as well, but, but keep up with the teaching. I, I'll still be uh, teaching vocal music at Applebee, which is exciting. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for, for coming on the episode. Uh, I know that PhD is not for me. I've looked into it. I was like, this is, uh, <laughs> I think I'm good. I'm going to just watch Breaking Bad and turn on Netflix. So <laughs> now I well, am joining you. <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate you coming on today, Sarah, and uh, hope to have you on again soon as well. Thank you so much, Ron. Great to be here. And thank you again to all our listeners for tuning in today. And just a heads up to everyone out there, starting next Monday on June the 7th, we're actually going to start moving to a Monday episode release date. So stay tuned for part two of this episode where we speak to Kathy Hibbert, the Associate Dean of Western's Teachers College, where we'll continue to learn about getting a PhD in education and what it can do for teachers. So thank you again, everyone. Have a great weekend and we'll see you on Monday.